I am unashamed. What about you? Well, so here we are with the uh, unashamed, and uh, we have uh, normally it's uh, it's me, Dad, and Jace. Uh, but for the second podcast, we have booted Jace, and we brought in Miss Kay. Are you glad? So can you think you can fill I in? tell you, if I'd have been here with Jace, it would have ruined the show. Well, that's why I didn't let him come. Yeah. And then we have, argues with me we have no the reason. fantastic, wonderful Kathy Lee Gifford uh, yes. Skyping in to us from, uh, from Nashville. So hello, Kathy Lee. Welcome to Unashamed. Hey, guys. So nice to see you. Miss Kay and Miss Kathy Lee. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and Perfect. Now, Kathy Lee, now we haven't been doing our podcast but about a year, but you're definitely the most famous person we've had on so far. So we're so excited to have a famous person on here now. Well, that's kind of sad. <laughs> it is sad. <laughs> well, we're, we're it's growing. sad for us, but it's great for you. We're growing. So so I wanted to start with a story. I don't know if you remember this or not, but it's in our family, uh, I guess since our, since our reality show's history, it's one of our most famous stories, and you were a part of it and, and don't even know it. So we did the Today Show, and this is right like at the, yeah. the, the, the height of the, the popularity of the show. And so uh, I wasn't on the interview. Lisa and I had just started on the show, but the rest of the family was there. It was kind of big ensemble. So Matt Lauer interviews him first. And Matt was kind of testy that day, and I don't, he kept trying to talk about scripted versus unscripted. It just wasn't a real fun interview, but, you know, he did his thing. Right. So then we have, of course, Kathy Lee and Hoda afterwards. And so you interviewed us. You guys interviewed us. So you guys are trying to just keep it fun and, you know, this is going to be great. You had the right spirit about it. This is Duck Dynasty. This isn't, you know, the end of the world. So I don't remember which one of you asked. I'm off camera, so I'm watching the interview. And so you've, you know, a couple of little funny things right off the bat. And then somebody says, oh, I hear uh, Mr. Phil, I hear you guys have some dogs. Because you thought, you know, we might get something light maybe about Bobo or, you know, our dogs that were on the show. All the labs that retrieved the ducks. Right. And so Dad decides, to, he says, yeah, we got dogs. We definitely got dogs. They're our first line of defense. Anybody tries to come in and rape our women, molest our children, and he starts uh, into this list. Look, she's laughing. She remembers. So he starts into this list, uh, and all of a sudden, the, both of y'all's eyes got so big, and I think it was Hoda that said, "Whoa, that we just went from uh, uh, Bible study to Smith and Western, and in one <laughs> sharp turn, you know." And so, and si was well, there. then some, so somebody tried to save the interview by saying, "Well, what about Uncle Si? You know, you're so funny." And Si says, "Hey, we'd rather have a Bible study, but if a gun fright breaks out, we're ready for that too." Oh and my. it was just, it was I over. Know, I that. <laughs> I How could you forget you know that? Was. So here's the part of the story you don't know. Great TV. It was great TV. TV. So here's what you don't know happened after. So we were leaving today's show and going to the airport. That was our last show. We all load up in the you know three SUVs and we're heading to the airport. So Willie starts texting and he's making fun of what Dad did on the thing. But there will be a (laughs) hell of gunfire. We're gonna kill everybody. And so then we get to the airplane. We all get on the plane, and then Willie, we're all sitting together in one big group, and Willie's like, if you're trying to rape our women, we'll... <laughs> and so we, like, laughed about that all the way home. We did. It and, just, it just well, was funny every time. And so that is, a, that is a, a very deep, funny Robertson story, and you were a part of it. So thank you for being a part of one of oh, our favorite stories. Oh, yeah. I think people, I think this is uh, the success of our hour was that nobody, everybody felt safe. Right. To, to obviously be who you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got Smith and Weston and Bible no study. <laughs> which, which is really funny. So a couple of things I wanted to ask, just because I'm curious, and I don't want to hear about your new book. Um, so what was it like? You know, I, I really, I, enjoy, I watched uh, you and Regis a lot, because that was another show that, for me personally, I just enjoyed it. You guys had a great rapport. <laughs> And just a great dynamic. What what was that like during that era? Because you guys were like the the thing, you know, for that whole period of time y'all were doing it. Yeah, you know, I it's it since Regis has passed just a couple of months ago, everybody's talking about it and remembering him and using the word beloved, which is the proper way to use it for very few people. You know, everybody loved, loved, loved Regis. He didn't have an enemy in the world and and uh, when we started together, we were local. We used to tease ourselves. We're a local piece of slime show. <laughs> and, and we were happy to be that because we weren't trying to be anything other than what we were. And I think that's sort of the success of you as well. You know, if, if you're authentic, people know it. 
That's right. You know, and you and you and and they're either going to like you or, or not like you, but at least it's on a, an honest basis. Right. And Regis and I were entertainers at our core. We weren't journalists. We, you know, I've been a singer and a and a, and, a, um, and a and an actress since I came out of my mother's womb with a uh, a rim shot and a pratfall, you know, and and reached the same. He just he would go into any room wherever we were, whether there were two people there or it was Carnegie Hall, no matter what. And he'd go, Regis is here. Regis is here. <laughs> he had to announce the fact that Regis was there. And, you know, they just loved him for it. And he'd go to every single person and talk to them and tease them and love them. And he just made everybody happy. He lived to make everybody happy. We didn't know at the time that we were changing the landscape of, of daytime TV. We had no idea. Right. And we made a pact between us that we would never go into syndication unless we had an absolute guarantee from the syndicator that they wouldn't try to change us one bit, yep. not one bit. We take the same show we had always done for three years in New York and just put the satellite up and we're the same. Right. And uh, Buena Vista Disney did that. And it changed, uh, literally changed the landscape of daytime television ever since then. And uh, I'm just grateful for God, uh, to God for it in my life because it certainly changed all my opportunities. I stayed with Reach for 15 years and then for personal reasons, spiritual reasons, the Lord led me away. I wanted to, I, I wanted to pursue my dreams that I'd had since I was a child. You know, you know, you're running out of time as you get a little bit older in life. And then I, I did the show with Hoda. And then I really left after I found Frank um, passed on to glory uh, in our, in our sunroom one Sunday morning. And that was over five years ago. And when you've held your, your love uh, and you see that look on their face, which was, and he saw Jesus and Jesus took his breath away. I knew it. Mm. But after that, I was so aware of my own mortality, you guys, after that. You know, I'm 23 years younger than Frank to the day. But when you've experienced the, the loss of somebody that you love as intimately as I did my husband, and he's there one minute and he's gone the next, but you know where he is. That's right. It just put it lit a fire in my gut that God's not done with me yet. And don't you dare waste one more minute, Kathy. I've got work for you to do. And it's going to require uh, a lot of, you gotta, you're going to have to move. Yeah. You're going to have to, you have to leave everything you know. I'm taking you to a spacious place. You know, that scripture that says the Lord led yeah. me out into a spacious place. Yeah. Because that home that Frank and I had lived in for 25 years at that time uh, was was our was our refuge there. You know, that's where the Lord just we made he made a family of us there. That's where Frank's ashes are. That's where my children were came and after the hospital. That's where we raised them. Billy Graham did my first Christmas special right there in our living room. Just a million memories. And then all of a sudden, my husband's gone. My children have moved to California to pursue their careers. And, and that magnificent, magical place is all, all of a sudden a morgue. Mm. A morgue. And I knew that I was dying, literally dying of loneliness. I couldn't go out and toast the sunset anymore like Frank and I had done since the day we started dating. All through my children's lives, every night we'd go and thank the Lord for another day of life when the sun went down. Mm. We'd do it all over the world. But it was especially, you know, precious to us in our own backyard, you know, and I couldn't do it anymore. And I said, Lord, if, if, if this is it for me, then take me home now. I'm ready. Anytime. I'd rather go home and be with Jesus and my husband and my father and my mother, people, the, the dearest, closest people in my life I've lost now. They're not lost. I know where they're, I'm, I know where they are. Right. <laughs> and someday I'm going to, but they're lost to me physically. And if this is it, Lord, and you're done with me, then I'm done with this. Take me home. And uh, and he convinced me, you know, no, honey, I have only begun with you. You have no idea. You in, Like in Ephesians, I have immeasurably more for you than you could ever ask or imagine if you just keep walking with me. Well, you One know, more day. Yeah, I watched your uh, I Am Second because, you know, we were doing ours today, and I knew we were going to be speaking. And so, I, I mean, there were two inspiring and uplifting 
would be the two words I would use for what you said on I'm Second. And I know those guys are really good at what they do, but and you talked a little bit about that uh, in the I'm Second part. I wanted to tell you, talk a little bit about uh, Frank Gifford for Dad and I. Of course, Dad played college football, and so we've always loved football. And, and Frank was a part of the original Monday Night crew that when I was growing up and kind of became football aware. So I always loved – he was always my – you know, Dandy Don was the ultimate color guy – Funny, singing, you know how he was. And then Cosell oh, yeah. was the play-by-play guy, but because he was so bombastic himself, I felt like he kind of could be off the rail. You never knew where, you know, Howard Cosell was going to go. But but Frank oh, Gifford yeah. was like the steady. I mean, he was like the steady. pro. Yeah, he was. He was the pro of the booth. And I've never forgotten that. I mean, as, as a kid growing up and watching him, you know, he was the voice I always listened to the most because the other two were kind of out on the on the far ends of that. So he just had he had a big impact on me. He was one of my heroes just because I love football and he was a part of that. So uh, one of the things uh, stats I heard the other day uh, is that since the uh, since the lockdown, there have been five million over five million uh, guns sold. Oh, in America, I mean, there was already like I think three hundred and sixty million. It was about a gun per person for the for the country, and there's a lot of people that don't own guns. So the guns are up, and yeah. I think part of the reason why, obviously, is uh, a couple of reasons. One is because there's a lot of talk negatively against the Second Amendment, so there's always this kind of fear that somebody's going to kind of come in and shut gun sales. A well regulated militia. It's constitutional. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. So, so one of the things that's going to happen with all these gun sales is you got to have people trained in how to use a weapon, a handgun, which I had to be trained because we didn't have them a lot growing up, and so I had to do some of this myself. So we, one of our sponsors is iTarget, and uh, they basically come up with a system um, where you can practice with a target, which normally we have it with us, but we're not in our normal spot. Um, with your phone, and so your phone registers the hits on the target. So you can just—it's basically dry fire, but learning the muscle memory of that. Uh, so it's a little different, of course, when you shoot. You still need to do some target practice there, but it does at least show you the the process of it. So here's what you do if uh, if you want to check these guys out: itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. Use the offer code Phil. You're going to get ten percent off. Uh, your order plus free shipping. So check these guys out and practice and get proficient with your weapon. It's bullets or lasers. Laser bullets. Computer lasers where That's it's right. perfectly healthy. So you can't hurt anybody. It's a yeah. brilliant concept. So that everyone will understand, I haven't said anything yet, oh. but I've listened to Kathy <laughs> Lee's words, and I was inspired by her words. Just remember... Uh, you say, so what exactly, y'all raised rural Southerners, so what's the agenda really? Here's what we're trying to do, Kathy Lee. We're trying to get human beings to do two so hard things to do. Love God and, lo- and love each other. We're trying to get them to do that. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Just think about a culture like this. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Check this out in lieu of the hearing y'all kind of get on me about the dog's and the gunfire. <laughs> He's going back. Love, <laughs> love always protects. You're like, you have your woman in, at home. You love your woman. There's your next door neighbors. You love them. Some people have come up and are trying to harm them, burn their house down. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Therefore, you say, if, we, if you look at what we do, we're just trying to get the human race, particularly America, just to love God and love each other. Kathy Lee, I do not see the downside to that. You know? There's no downside to that. You know, and when Jesus said those words, Phil, um, when you understand the rabbinical 
rabbinical study of the word of God, the original Hebrew in the Old Testament, the original Greek in the New. You understand cultural context at the time as well. And when Jesus said that, it was infuriating to the Pharisees and the Sadducees because he said, you know, they said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, to soul, you might, all of you, all of you, right? And the second one is like that, love your neighbor as yourself. But what people don't understand is that seems normal to us now at the time. That's one of the reasons they had to, they had to crucify him. Why? Because the entire uh, society, the, the Jew, a Jewish society of its time, very patriarchal. Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus was a Jew. A lot of Christians don't even realize that. Right. Yep. Everybody in first century AD, uh, Israel were living under Roman rule, but they were also living under Sadducee and Pharisee rule. And what those people did infuriated Jesus. They, he, they kept adding more rules, more, more commandments, more right. you know, tithe your, 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 your spice garden. And they already had the, the, uh, the Mosaic law they wanted to keep. They already had all these teachings. They, they, they added over like 600 different teachings and commandments that these poor people that were already under Roman rule and taxes had to keep. And Jesus, when he said that to them, was basically saying to the Pharisees, woe is you, 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 you hypocrites, you whitewashed tombs. Yep. You are doing everything other than what I, you were asked to do, which is feed my sheep, love my people, teach them my ways and lead them to glory. And that's what made Jesus so, so much a rebel, so much a radical. They were, he was going to undo the status quo in first century AD. And he did, and a, he, he did a wonderful thing. He brought Jew and Gentile together under yeah. one head himself. I think, uh, Kathleen, that's the reason to this day, there's a reason that we all say uh, all the years before Jesus are called all the years before Jesus and all the years after Jesus are called year of our Lord. He's the time marker to this day for the world. We're all count time. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, they're trying to change that too. They're, you know, trying to rewrite history that, you know, that, um, that, that, that one moment that changed all of history is a moment that divinity chose to leave being the glory of God, chose to enter humanity. That's it. He chose the creator of the world died literally already before he died on the cross, died to his own glory to become a child, a baby in Bethlehem and, and feel what we feel and understand what we go through. He knew anyway, but there was no other way to get back to Bet Av, which is the Hebrew word for the father's house. Since the dawn of creation, that's what creator God, Jehovah Elohim, has tried to do. He's tried to love all of humanity back to his home, yep. Bet Av, the father's house. Yep. And it could only be accomplished by sending his son. That's it. That's, that's pretty good. Well, I tell you what, Kathleen would fit in the unashamed discussions. She quite, sure she, would. You fit in here quite well, Kathleen. Yeah. That's, our, that's our kind of talk. So I was going to mention to Brain Mommy and uh, – Kathy Lee is known, and I, I don't know if it was from the uh, the Kathy Lee and Regis era or what, but you're known for your quotes because you always just said a lot of really a lot of statements. And so I don't know if you've Googled yourself lately, but there's a lot of Kathy Lee quotes out there. No, and, I, I try not to ever Google myself. <laughs> I, I want to be happy. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, and uh, I found them quite interesting. So mom is, is the, you're, if, if Kathy Lee's the queen of the quotes, then mom is the queen of the misquotes. A throwback from Norm. A Norm, you remember Norm Crosby? You remember Norm Crosby, the guy that butchered the English language and made a good living at it. That's Miss K. But I, did, I don't do it on purpose. So tell. I mean, it just comes out. Neither did my mother. Neither did my mother. My mother used to call the Syrophoenician lady the neo-synephrine woman. So I know what you mean. That's a classic, Mom. Uh, so tell tell her the one about when you had the the thing on your leg and what what did Daddy you... tells it better well, than I do. Well, she told me. She says uh, my leg is uh, what? How did? You... Oh, she said 
they did an autopsy on my leg. <laughs> And she said, but, they, but they're going to fix it. They're going to treat it with nitroglycerin. I said, let me see now. Your leg is dead. They're fixing to blow it up. I never knew. She I said, was, well, I might have got those words out of there. I said, I mixed those words up. This, the first one was, what was it? What was the right name? It was Biopsy. Biopsy. You can see how those Biopsy. are close. Yeah. And then what the, and they were going to. Use uh, what was the right word for the uh, some kind of the freezing process? Yeah, yeah. You said yeah, the other. I know, and I never (laughs) say. And then usually when I say on the minute they're out, I'll say that's not right, and Phil go, not right, not right. He said K can change one letter of one word, and it's a whole other word. We hunted for one hour to find her little cell telephone. We couldn't find it. We could hear it in the distance. We had people call. Miss Kay's looking for it. She's looking for it an hour. Well, guess where we found it? In the refrigerator. Between the lettuce and coke. <laughs> so I guess that's truly putting your phone on. Who's hungry? Yeah, there you go. So uh, one of the quotes, now these are from the Internet, so if, if you didn't say them, you can tell me. But one I found was interesting I want to ask you about because you mentioned your mom. It says, over the years, my mom has become a self-taught biblical scholar. That's one of the quotes out there from you. Yeah. Is, that, is that tell us about your mom and tell us yeah. what, about that? Because obviously she's you, you know, you know a little bit about that. It's interesting. Yeah, um, both of my mom and my mom and I, I just wrote about it in a new book that's coming out uh, in December called "It's Never Too Late." And it was a hard chapter for me to write because I was very close to my mom and dad. My they both were of another generation. My dad was born, you know, in 1924. My mom was born in, in 1930, same year Frank was. So it was a completely different world then. Yeah. It was the great generation, as it's called, because there was there was so much sacrifice. Wow. Uh, there was an understanding that that you, you sacrifice for what's precious in this world. And we've sort of lost that, unfortunately, in our culture. And... Um, I'm trying to raise children that understand that, but you know, everything's very, very different. But my mom and my dad came from great loss and tremendous, um, um, uh, oh gosh, how can I explain it? They're both of my parents came from, um, immigrants, parents, and they had very dysfunctional childhoods. They were, both of their fathers were alcoholics. Both of their mothers died early. Uh, and not, well, not, it doesn't, it's complicated. They were, they came from tremendous heartbreak and loss. My dad was a Jew. He was, um, uh, people tried to stone him when he was a child and called him a Christ killer. Mm. My mother lost her mother, her brother, her father, her grandmother, and her, everybody else that she loved before the, before she was out of her, you know, 15 years old. Everybody was wow. gone in her family except for one sister. And so, and then, and they were, you know, uh, poor. They'd come from f- some wealth and then lost it during the, not the, the, the when the, uh, you know, when in the 1929 in the stock market. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's like a grapes of wrath kind of epic story on both sides. But when they found each other by the grace of God, they started, they decided that they were going to break the mold. They were going to break the cycle of abuse. And they were going to, and they didn't know Jesus at the time. Although we found out you guys much later when my father was eight years old as a little Jewish boy in Annapolis, Maryland, his mother was a Gentile, but they were raised, you know, in a, they were very, very dysfunctional anyway they five kids had been left by the father with their mother she was had had it it was a hot summer day and she she said to them all i've had it with you kids get out of this house go down to that little church it was a it was an african-american little church down the road you go down that little church and you all go to uh, to, you know vacation bible school because i've had it with you the brats kind of thing (laughs) well they all went and we didn't know for years later that my daddy had gone forward and asked Jesus into his heart when he was eight years old. That little African American child. Wow. Mm-hmm. We didn't know it for the longest time. And then um, years later, my mom and my sister, I came home one night and found I was outside getting the door open. I could see my mother and my sister looking at the television on the inside, and, and they were sitting there in, the, in front of it crying. 
And I thought maybe the president had been killed or something, you know? Yeah. And because I remember when President Kennedy had been killed and it was like that. You just saw people gathered around and sobbing. So that I saw that and I walked in and I and I realized that they'd been sobbing. They'd been sitting in front of the television because Billy Graham was doing uh, a crusade. And they both came to know Jesus at that time. Well, we all know from, from, from Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, that he came to make all things new. Mm-hmm. And, and um, all of a sudden, the, the dysfunction and the heartache and the, and, the, and the brokenness of my mother's early life and my father's, all of a sudden, Jesus started putting that marriage, solidifying uh, the future and making all things new, which he promised he would do. And next thing you know, my, my mother's saved, my sister's saved. I go to a Billy Graham movie. A couple of months later, I'm saved. My brother gets saved. And, and thus begins the miracle that only God can do in these homes. They, they, they look hopeless That's right. on the surface. And, but God, right? right? But God. The world was hopeless until Jesus came to, uh, miraculously born of a virgin in, in the town of Bethlehem. And, and everything changed. History changed. We yeah. mark the day that that happened. Whether we, we follow what they're trying to do today, for the last two centuries, it's, been, it's, it's changed the way we, we uh, mark history. So one of our sponsors that we talk about quite a bit is, is Patriot Mobile because we talk a lot about cell phones. On our, we probably talk as much about cell phones on our podcast as any other subjects. I'm not sure how often does it come or up. Or the lack thereof. <laughs> the lack thereof. Or, or when mom puts it in the refrigerator. So uh, these guys, obviously, uh, Patriot Mobile, they provide uh, cell coverage uh, for you. And uh, one of the things that they're sort of proud of is that they're a very conservative uh, company. And most of the major providers, like most corporations in America, unfortunately, are very left-leaning. And so a lot of the money that they that go into BLM and all this stuff come from some of these same groups. And so they want you to know, if you go with them, anything they donate to is probably things that would agree with all of us who do this podcast. So uh, if, you, if you're interested in checking out and making the jump, uh, here's what you do. You go to patriotmobile.com slash Phil, patriotmobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. You get a free month of service or a free phone plus activation when you use that offer code of Phil. So check these guys out if uh, you want some conservative coverage. By the way, Kathy Lee, one of the things I always ask people after hearing you tell the story that we tell I always ask them, do you have a better story? <laughs> it, it, makes you, it makes you nervous just to think about it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So what I'm saying is I say, do you have a better story, everyone who hears about Jesus and what he did? And to the person, they all say, even the atheists, they say, you got me there because that's, that's a doozy of a story. It is a story. Well, we, we can't we can't do anything better than God does. That's right. You know, uh, I just look back on it. I was 12 years old, and I think that was the greatest decision I ever made in my entire life. Was to, to I was at this movie theater. I was watching a Billy Graham movie, and he was he was so 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 rebuked and and criticized for having a movie and having people come to the movie theaters. And Billy understood that that. The devil didn't own movie theaters. The devil didn't own the airwaves. God created air and everything belongs to God. And if we gave it up, then that's our fault as believers. If we're not, and he said, I'm going to take the television airwaves and I'm going to do my, 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 my preaching, my crusades. I'm going to make a movie about a young girl on the cusp of womanhood who can either go uh, the way of the world and have sex with her boyfriend and do drugs and, let the world take her away or, or she can trust me with her life and let me make something beautiful out of it. And I'm sitting there as a little Jewish girl who's wanted to be an actress and a singer my whole life in a movie theater. And where does God meet me? In a movie theater. And that's why we, that, that's why we know what we just saw. Your cup runneth over. 
It 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 does. And follow them. We're not talking about something else. <laughs> so look, we just have a few minutes left. The one I just spilled is not running over now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they, I saw an arm put it back. Um, we just have a, a few minutes left with you. So tell us about a little bit about your new book. Uh, Hello, Little Dreamer. Is that right? Is that the book you just came out with? It's called Hello, Little Dreamer, and it's um, it's it's getting such a lovely reaction. Basically, I've this I've written many many children's books. They're very easy for me to write. I've been a mother. I've been a writer all my life. I I'm a songwriter, so I write in rhyme, and they're basically little songs that just haven't been put to music yet. Right. And then these wonderful. Uh, Anita Schmidt is the young lady. I've never even met her, but she did these delightful illustrations for it. And um, and then they do all the hard work and bring it to life. You know, they bring it just magic. So uh, it's basically because I've always felt like uh, we ask the wrong question in our culture of our children. We say, what do you want to be when you grow up? When really we should be asking them, what has God already prepared you to be? Scripture tells us that before the dawn of creation, God saw us. That's right. How amazing is that? God saw us and he had us in mind when he created everything. And then when David talks about in the Psalms, how God creates this human being Um, in that dark secret place in our mother's womb. And the scripture says, wonderfully and fearfully made. That's a bad translation of fearful. That's that's the Hebrew word yireh, Y-I-R-E-H, that we only have one word for fear in in English, it's fear. We all think it means the same thing all the time, but it doesn't in the Hebrew. Most of the time in the Old Testament, the word fear, like fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it means worship and adoration and awe of the Lord wow. is the beginning of wisdom. That's right. The only people that should ever fear God are his enemies. That's right. Those who hate him yep. and hate his word and hate his ways. They're the only one. God doesn't want his children. He's Abba, Father. He doesn't want me, which means daddy in Aramaic. He doesn't want us to fear him. Right. He wants us to crawl up in his lap and love him and pour out our hearts to him. And trust him with our lives. And that's what I did that day in that movie theater. I felt the Lord speak very clearly to me, you guys, and say, Kathy, I love you. Because he does speak our names, you guys. Remember when he spoke to Hagar 5,000 years ago in the desert? He said her name. He loved on her. He loved her into the kingdom. He was a God who sees, she called him. He called her by name, just the way he said to Mary Magdalene when she was so broken that Jesus had died and was She'd never see her savior again. What happened? He says her name. And that's what our savior does for all of us. He calls us by name. He is a customized God. He's, you know, he makes every single one of us so completely unique and different and died for every single one of us for the same reason, because he loves us. And Jesus said to me that that day as a 12 year old little kid, Kathy, I love you. And if you'll trust me, I want to make something beautiful out of your life. And I went forward that day, and I've made all kinds of mistakes since. But God's grace and mercy is so much bigger than any mistake I will ever make. I may make a worse one tonight. I used to say to my kids, you know what we all have in common, you guys? We are one decision away from disaster. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) You know? I I think that could be said of us all. Kathy Lee, uh, it's been awesome having you on Unashamed. Obviously, God had uh, that spotlight in mind for you when you came to this earth, and I think you've shown well as the light in darkness. So we appreciate your life. Uh, we want to encourage our audience to check out Hello, Little Dreamer. Uh, it sounds like a great book. So thank you for coming on. Uh, we're going to look. This is we're giving you an invitation as we leave because. We had uh, first talked about trying to get you down here, but with COVID and everything going on, that we couldn't get it done. But we want right. to invite you next time we're going to come. We're going to come and cook in Miss Kay's kitchen. Yep. Uh, we'll have some fun with that, and, uh, and we'll do another podcast. Thank I, you. I want to tell you one thing. You're beautiful inside and out. And I really, oh, Kay, I really do see it. I mean, you could help so many people by just sharing your words of the scriptures. Well, you know what, you guys? That's what we're all here for. We've all had great success in this business. It, it, that's not for our glory. That's right. That was all, you know, he gave us these gifts that these dreams we had 
like my little book talks about in Hello Little Dreamer, there, there are no mistakes. God, if a child comes out of the womb and starts to twirl around and dance, or, or they stare at the stars and they go, Mommy, what's that one? Daddy, what's that? What's that mean? You know, those dreams are, are, are born of God. And there's a purpose for them. Dreams are huge all through scripture. God uses his dream, implants them in us every bit as much as he makes us long-legged or a little chubby or, or blue-eyed, green-eyed, whatever. We're masterpieces to the master creator. That's right. And our dreams are every bit as important to our growing into everything we were meant to be in him uh, as our bodies are. And some dreams are instant. They, they, we know right away, oh, Johnny's, Johnny likes to work with his hands. Johnny's going to, you know, kind yeah. of thing. But we, as parents, should never get in the way of our kids' dreams. Yeah. You know, we have, we sort of superimpose sometimes our dreams on our children. And, and we have no right to do that. We're told to train them up in the way they should go. And when they are older, they will not depart from it. It doesn't say, give your children your dreams. That's right. That would be totally against what God wants us to do as parents. Let them dream their dreams. And then we're just there to help them make them come true. There you go. I like it. I like it too. Great having you on today. Just uh, pray God's blessings on you. And um, and the same to you all. God bless. Hope to see you in right. person next time. Thank Y'all you. come down to Nashville too. We'll, okay? we'll be up there. I like Nashville. Yeah, we got some kinfolk up there. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy Lee. Okay. Lord bless you. You too. One of the things that uh, we mention from time to time is that uh, Dad has a show. The reason the podcast came about is because the folks, it started out CRTV and now they've merged, and so it's Blaze TV, uh, was, is producing a show. We're producing the show for Dad, but it's called In the Woods with Phil. And so that show, that subscription show, it's a subscription that you get to watch your show, which now I think is over 800 episodes maybe, something like that. Uh, a lot of stuff, there, and it's done in a vlog, a video blog format. So they're about seven or eight to ten minutes long. And so it's just Dad kind of on a little rant. Sometimes he does a little Mark Levin. Sometimes he does a little making jelly, fishing, hunting, you know, a lot of different things. Everyone I've seen, they were funny. Yeah, funny and, and good and just a lot of good stuff. So, so we want to just remind you in the podcast audience that you can get this show. You go to blazetv.com slash unashamed. You're going to get 30 days free and $10 off to try it. And so uh, you, when you go on there, not only do you get access to all of Dad's past shows, but you're also going to get access to a lot of other people on the network, Mark Levin, Dave Rubin, Glenn Beck. So it's a, it's a, good, it's a good network. It's a good deal. And uh, if you want more of Dad, it's a good place to check it out. So called, go to blazetv.com slash unashamed. And it's called In the Woods. In the Woods with Phil. Phil. That's right. Well, I tell you what, uh, Kathy Lee oh. Gifford. <laughs> I mean, she look. We went beyond. I, I mean, I, I knew you know that she was a believer, but I mean, that well, that girl's done some study. She has. I mean, she can teach at any preaching school there is. She knew Hebrew. She knew Greek. I mean, she knew she context. Knew that. that I was I was super impressed with that. I, you know, and I had done. I had tried to do some research on her because I've watched her like everybody else through the years, but. You know, well, you don't know these. You people. didn't know she had that. I had no idea, and was super impressed because, like, you could tell she knew she knew what she was talking about. Oh my goodness! Yeah, she, she could preach it anywhere. She was pretty good. So we, the original plan was just so our audience will know, she, um, we were going to have her down, and uh, a friend of hers, a real close friend, is the same one that has connected up this I am second stuff that we're doing today around this uh, doing the podcast. And so we were going to try to get her down here and have her on set and then have dinner at your house and cook. Yeah. But it's just, it's so hard now with just to get flights and to get in and out and get where you got to be. It's um, just kind of part of the, unfortunately, part of the COVID problem. So, but I, well, I really did love um, Frank Gifford growing up. I, I mean, did just, too. You know, and of course, in football in general, right? Yeah, I want to tell a story. Phil won't want to listen. He thinks I talked no, too No, he's long. just looking for scriptures. Oh, good. good. Well, when you were a little boy and we were at Tech and you had your, your baby bed in there and me and you would be there, Phil would be at hunting or fishing or wherever he went when he wasn't going to college. And we were in there and I had a little black and white TV and I brought it in there and he would be just up from, you would be just up from your nap and I say, we're going to watch football. And I mean, you were like a, uh, 
I would say you was between one and two. And and so I put it on, and you know who we watched every time was the Dallas Cowboys. And and so we'd sit there, and I would tell you about the game as if you knew what I was talking about. And I said, they scored a touchdown, and you would go, you would do your little hands and do your little hands like that. And how old I'm, was I? He was about two years old, uh, between, almost two. And I'm saying between there and now, are you still love the Dallas Cowboys? I do. And and that started at that Actually, age. Actually, that's funny because I, you've never told me that story. Why have you never told you? You were just saving it for the podcast for when I, I was well, 55 Well, when you're old, old, it comes, it goes, it comes. <laughs> so that's goes. interesting because – a lot of people ask me why, because we live in Louisiana and always have, except for a little time in Arkansas. But you know why I'm a Cowboy fan instead of a Saints fan. And Dad wasn't really a fan of any team. I mean, he follows you know football, but he doesn't. It's not really like he's a, like a J- Jason, a jumper. You yeah, know, exactly. One year this and one yeah, year. Yeah, he, he likes Brady. He likes this. So, but when so when I thought it was because when we moved here in in. Late seventy four, early seventy five, actually, is when we were here. That I, I remember my first football memory, other than I guess that one at two, was we were talking about the super. We were riding one of the pink buses from from right where we're sitting in this church. We were riding down to our apartment, and everybody was talking about the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and it was the Cowboys and the Steelers. Yeah, and so you know, everybody was asked, "Who who are you for?" And I remember saying, "Well, I'm I'm for Dallas." And I didn't really know why. I always thought it was an anti-Bradshaw thing uh-uh. because, you know, Dad and Bradshaw competed for quarterback. But it was actually you that planted That's that right. seed all that time. And you lo- like you watched I never them every that. year that you, you don't even remember. So I was, That's them. just and my you, first memory, but you were saying all along. Oh, I, all along. Yeah. And, and when I switched to the Saints, you didn't. No, you I said, no, I'm Dallas Cowboys. But you did that as a little boy because yeah. we started at that age. And, you know, the – I've always been a Cowboy fan. Of course, this year I'm not watching the NFL at all because of this BLM stuff is just driving me crazy. But the it's different. The game is different now because in the old days, like you would watch the same group of players with the same coach until their career was over. But now they they switch around. I mean, the the NFL is getting like Major League Baseball. You, you watch it one year and you're like, where, where did all the players go that I just you know. And so it's a little more stable before now, but that's fixing to change. I think you know you'll start just you just can't get a team concept anymore, so it's kind of hard to pull for a team. Well, you started out early. Yeah, I've always loved him. All right, what you got, Dad? Well, Dad's got uh, multiple ver. He's got multiple holes in the scripture. I got a little wrap up on a, uh, and it's a lot coming up from one Kathy Lee Gifford. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, in John eight said, "I am the light of the world." Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now put that in your pipe. That's, that's John 8, verse, 5, verse 12. Now turn back to Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus makes an astounding statement for the believers that come to him. You, he is the light of the world. Now he says you, his people are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand where people can see it. And it gives light to everyone in the house. That's why he said, uh, you will never walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. So when it gets to us in the same way, let your light shine before men. They have to see your behavior. It's how critical behavior is when you are following Jesus, the light of the world. That they may see your good deeds, the people who are observing you, like, hmm, they ought to be mad, but they're not. Uh, most people would curse at that point, but they didn't. Well, when they see that, they see, may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That's the way we do it. And to finish up the complete thought, the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesians in Ephesians 5, his first word there is be imitators of God because he's the light of the world. So you get down to verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now... You are the light. You are light in the Lord. 
Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness. That's what he meant when he said you will walk by the light of life. You will be full of goodness, light of the world, righteousness, light of the world, and truth, light of the world. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. You've already been there. Round and round and round, drugs, immorality, whatever. Rather expose them. It's shameful to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light, that's us, becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. That's why I said, wake up, O sleeper. These for all of you believers out there. Wake up, sleepers. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. We're back to the light again. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty awesome. Let's take a break. Yeah, and so, I, I mean, that's interesting that you read that in, in, in conjunction with us talking to Kathy Lee because, I mean, I guess the one word I would associate her was was joy. Mm-hmm. It's just a word, you know, that connects to her. But then... I mean, you could also say a, a bright light. She said on her I Am Second um, piece that I watched yesterday that she said, I knew, she said it again today, she said, I knew, you know, when I was eight years old, like that, I mean, I there needed to be a spotlight. I mean, I've, I want to sing, I want to dance, I want to act. And it was all about what she saw and was connecting to with singing and movies. But hearing her talk today, I mean, she was a bright light already. Yep. You know, way before any of this, oh, uh, that yeah. other stuff. That's you know? why all these qualities of the Spirit, love, joy, they're fruit of the Spirit because Jesus, the light of the world, the vine, and we are the branches. Therefore, the fruit will be light, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's light for the world, light right. for the world. That's right. You know, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all light, all right. light, all light. And really and truly, I guess, Dad, both both your latest books, A Theft of America's Soul and Now Jesus Politics, um, which we're still encouraging people that's to, to check Politics out. That's what Jesus Politics is all about. That's what it's about. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It really is about, because you, you, you basically identified the dark in the first book Yep. and how Satan has done it to, to where we are right now. Let his light shine through you being the light of the world. He just transposed it to us. That's right. And we move forward. I thought our conversation with the Benhams was was poignant in the fact that it shows what happens when you don't shine light. I mean, that's right. You know, the more you retract back and you kind of hide out in your in your churches or in your underground, your bunker, and don't shine that light out, you see what happens. That darkness just because, continues. Uh, uh, Paul told the Ephesians, by letting your light shine, you expose the dark. You expose the darkness. Exactly. And well, the, you know, when you walk into a dark room, the Bimmer feel, boys, who are the Bimmers? The Benhams. Benhams. <laughs> the Bimmers. Benhams. The Benhams. <laughs> That's a, did, I, did I not name them right? They are two live wires for Jesus. They really I mean, are. they're like two electric prods that are just constantly on fire. They're like a light really shining in a dark place. <laughs> That's are. for sure. They're unafraid. I really liked them. They loved our unashamed. Yeah, they loved you too. So, mom, so, <laughs> so two years in a row, when it, uh, for our life choices banquet, um, they're always trying to get like some good speakers and, but as always, they don't have a big budget, blah, blah, blah. So they know I'm willing to help them. And Lisa and I kind of work in this field because we speak at a lot of these things. So we run across people and make friends just like I did with the Benham's. Well, they speak a lot at the pro-life stuff too. And so our friend Jenny at the life choices last year, they said, we, we, it's our 40th year. We just, we need somebody big, but we don't have any money. And it's, you know, so I, I got it. So I, I reached out to Jim Daly, who's the president of folks on the family, and I was like, Jim, this is our 40th year. I don't even know if you go and speak and or whatever, but our thing doesn't have any budget, but I'll bring you in and put you up and and if you can come down here. And Dad's hamburgers are waiting on you because they had been down earlier and he'd eaten your hamburgers, and he every time he, I talked to him, he reminds me about the hamburger. He said, hamburgers, I'm in. So I was like, okay, if, if we can't pay them, food gets them, that's good. That's so right. this year it was the Benham. Sometimes the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. That's correct. So this year it was the Benhams, and I knew they loved carrot cake because mm-hmm. I know them so well. And so they were, oh, carrot cake. I said, well, my mom makes the best I carrot did. cake in the world. So, so I was like, I tell you what, if you come down here and speak at our banquet, 
I will make sure you get steak because they're big steak men and carrot cake. I said it'll be one of the best steaks you ever ate. Old Stone, I know what he could do with the with the grilled tenderloin. And mom will make you a carrot cake. Perfect. So today we're doing the am second thing. Mom comes in. She says, well, I just made a flop out of that cake. I was like, Mom. I've never done that in my life. I said, Mom, that's the reason. That's how I got the bitums here. Now you got the one thing you were supposed to deliver. So so tell me what happened. What what was the what happened with your cake? Well, it, I I had too many irons in the fire, and I had <laughs> there were a lot try, of irons. That's true. I was trying to make the cake, but I then I wanted to start the icing or have it all ready. So what I didn't do, I should have put the icing stuff over here, and I kind of had it all mixed up. Well, then I saw those two sticks of butter, and I thought that must go in the cake. <laughs> it didn't go in the cake. It went in the icing. Was supposed to, but then when I got ready to put it in the icing, I said. Where's the butter? And then I thought, oh, no, I put it While in While it was the cooking, she said, I think I messed up. <laughs> I put the two whole sticks of butter in the cake instead of the icing. And I looked in the oven. It was getting brown. I said, it won't be long now. We'll know. <laughs> All I have to say is I was being kind. Boy, that thing is rich. <laughs> <laughs> so... And mom really does make an amazing, fantastic carrot cake. Of course, it's usually the presentation, you never know. It could be sliding off a little oh, to the left yeah. or sliding. They're never pretty. My cakes aren't beautiful. But they're always but delicious. they're always the best to eat. So, so for, because of that, I had to run down to the back because I had promised them carrot cake. So I run down to the bakery, and I don't know how it works. I come in and said, do you all have a carrot cake? And she said, well, no, sir, we have a something else, something else. And I said, can you make one? And she was like, well, when do you need it? I mean, I don't, I don't do bakery, so I don't know yeah. how this works. And she said, well, when do you need it by? And I looked at my watch, and I said, well, I need it by 1230. It was 10.15. She said, well, let me go back and ask. And so she comes back in, and she says, well, they can do a square one because it'll cool, but they can't do a round one because you got to stack them up. I said, make it so. And so we did get them a carrot cake. And I admit it, I took a bite. It wasn't in the race with yours. But it was good. I delivered. It was good. It wasn't bad. It was really good. So. Well, usually my flops are better than a lot of people's best Yeah, ones. that's true. You usually find a way to pull it out of the I fire. Do. So it's been uh, very pleasant. We've had, uh, we haven't argued with Jay's today, which is one of our. Man, it's just peace. <laughs> peace and calm. Uh, you know, Jace is quite the villain on the podcast. There's some people that get mad at him for cutting in on dad or whatever. He won't close his mouth. That's exactly right. Like other but people. But just know, know, Jace has always been the way he is. He's a good Bible man, and we know he can tell stories. And he's part of the way going forward. It's just that if he's your villain, you know, just I don't know what to tell you. He's, he's going to be part of the trio, so we're just going to go forward. But it, this was fun just to get to do something a little bit different. And so I wanted you to sit in with Kathy Lee because I thought that would be fun. We're going to get her back in person. I love that. She's got some pretty good stories she's want to tell, too. So remember Jesus politics. Uh, remember to vote. Uh, very important. November 3rd, vote godly. And, um, and don't forget to do that. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.